Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America, where we gather with Christians and patriots from coast to coast and pray for our country and pray for one another. So as we have our program, feel free to leave in the comments the ways in which we can pray for you and your loved ones uh, and, of course, your intentions for the country that we love and serve and defend. We have a real special guest with us tonight, and I'm looking forward to introducing him here in just a moment. We'll do our scripture uh, and our, our initial prayer. I want to draw from Psalm 121 here tonight. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains from where shall come my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will guard your going and coming, both now and forever. Let us pray. Father, we do trust in you, as our founding fathers did, to watch over our going and our coming, our thoughts, words, desires, and actions. Lord God, in your providence, you have established your kingdom here on earth, and you have given us the gift of this nation. Enable us to serve you faithfully. Enable us to trust in your providence, follow your law, and engage as active citizens in the process by which we elect our leaders. Thank you for the freedom that we have to do that. Thank you for the wisdom by which we carry that out. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So tonight, friends, we have Chris Faulkner with us, who serves as the Senior National Strategist for majority strategies. Uh, Chris is a uh, Marine and also served on the uh, Bush-Cheney uh, campaign. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. Father, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as well. Uh, I think back to the Bush-Cheney campaign, uh, we were very, very involved uh, in that as well, both in the unforgettable uh, election of uh, the year 2000 then again in 2004, uh, you know, and of course, with the recent um, victory that we had over Roe versus Wade, you know, I was reflecting with a lot of people about how so many voters were motivated by the Supreme Court, you know, and the fact that uh, whoever the new president would be would be uh, likely have the opportunity to appoint a couple of justices. And of course, that happened uh, in President Bush's um, presidency. And uh, that's how we got uh, Samuel Alito, who wrote that beautiful decision in the Dobbs case. Yeah. So uh, elections, as we as we always say during the campaigns, they have consequences for, for many, many, not just years, but decades uh, that follow. So thanks for the work that you did uh, back then. And uh, of course, thanks for your service to our country. Uh, and tell us about majority strategies. Sure. Thank you, Father. 
And uh, yes, I was very excited to serve in the Marines. Uh, it was a couple of haircuts ago, obviously. Um, <laughs> but uh, everyone in my family served in the military, so I was uh, I was honored to serve. Um, after, of course, I left the military, uh, I was looking for something exciting to do, and I was fortunate enough to find political campaigns. And it was a you know the ability to take some of your your faith as well as your principles and kind of actually put them into action and help help these things uh, get enacted. So. Um, it, was, it was a great privilege. Uh, Majority Strategies is probably one of the largest uh, Republican political consulting firms in the country. Um, I've been doing political consulting for about 26 years. Uh, our firm does work in literally all 50 states and even a couple of countries I probably shouldn't mention. Uh, <laughs> we have to sign a lot of paperwork, as you might imagine. Uh, yeah. Some of our clients' discretion is important. But some of the basic overall principles are, are the same no matter where you go in terms of just, uh, you know, reaching out to people and trying to convince them of the rightness of an idea, the principle yeah. in which it matters and why it's important for them to be involved in the process. So majority right. is uh, with my partners at majority. We're, we're very fortunate to be involved in a lot of elections around the country. Um, you know, and obviously this election is as important as, as every election. Um, and considering the recent uh, decision, it's even more, I think, uh, more clear, more clear. The, the clarity that from this decision has been impactful, I think, to everybody. It certainly has, and it, it, it you know it gives us. Uh, I, I've been telling people it's a, it's a sign not only of God's faithfulness to His people, but the resiliency of our American form of government that we can we can make a big change like this, we can turn a corner like this, and do so in a relatively peaceful and orderly way. It, it, it's just amazing. And of course, uh, it wasn't just the Dobbs case. We had major victories on religious freedom issues and uh, Second Amendment and and down the line. It's been a good uh, it's been a good season in the uh, in the court. Now, our audience here is very, very uh, patriotic, very, very tuned into the elections. And mm -hmm. uh, so we want to get your your insights uh, in terms of how they can persuade voters. We know that the middle of the road voters, um, whatever we call them, ind uh, independent or undecided, uh, you know, there are ways uh, to do it right or ways that, that certainly you and your team have learned to best influence uh, voters who could go either way. Share, us, share with us some of... Um, what your advice would be on uh, reaching and influencing those kind of voters. Sure. Absolutely. And if, uh, if you'll forgive me, I'm going to use a, an analogy involving religion and politics, which, you know, depending on what uh, establishment you're in, some people don't want you to talk about either one, but I'm going to talk about both and kind of relate it here. So uh, again, at the risk of sounding like I'm pandering to you and your audience here, um, I know your audience is ecumenical, but uh, I, have attended evangelical Protestant churches for most of my life. And uh, my children are now, my last one just graduated from high school, was a freshman in college. And my wife and I just recently moved. And uh, we were reflecting on, you know, finding a new church home. And um, at the same time, we used to live in South Bend. Uh, all three of my kids were born kind of right there in the shadow of Notre Dame. Mm. And um, so let's just say I know a lot of Catholics. And yes. uh, it, as I think you enter different phases of your life. Sometimes your 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 faith and your decision making process can change, and so my wife and I actually were and are con, uh, considering converting to Catholicism. Oh, and nice. so I, I know obviously a lot of Catholics, but when it comes to an opinion, 
on how that would best fit my life, I have a particular friend by the name of Marcus. And I've uh, known Marcus for 20 years. And whether it's uh, his comments on social media or just a text exchange between him and I, you know, he's a, a he's also someone who converted from being an evangelical to um, to Catholicism. And uh, he converted about 10 years ago, I believe. And so as I've been kind of talking to him, he is an influencer. He is a, uh, a, a trusted source for me when it comes to my particular question about my faith and about a transition in my faith. And so if you think about that in terms of politics too, we're all surrounded by people with opinions all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, opinions on, you know, whether or not you should, you know, have raisins in your, your potato salad, you know, opinions, important things, you know, whether or not, you know, is it, is it a, you know, should your cornbread be sweet or should it be salty? You know, all these important things in our lives. Um, and of course I'm relating this to church potlucks. But at the end of the day, often we have people in our lives that we go to for certain particular subjects, whether it's politics, whether it's faith, whether it's economics. There's, there are those people within our lives that we, we, we weigh their opinion heavier than others, if that makes sense. And so we, uh, majority strategies, we obviously, we get paid by political campaigns and organizations to help influence voters, educate voters, and of course, to turn them out. And there are, you know, Lots of different ways I can talk ad nauseum about that. But what I could really tell you is that my experience, still one of the more effective ways is really this kind of person-to-person influencer contact. If someone is tuned into your show, they're obviously above average in terms of their interest in politics and the country. Um, I was at Mount Rushmore today, so I'm, <laughs> I had a great, wow. great context for this discussion. Um, yeah. And so... Uh, there are those people in our lives that we see as influencers and we, we trust their opinion. You know, thanks to social media, we all know that we have different friends and family members and, you know, people that we may work with who all have opinions about politics and some of those opinions are more important than others to us. And so what I encourage people to do, and I, I work with a number of grassroots organizations where I try and help people from a, let's call it a more of a volunteer and less of a throw millions of dollars at a problem type solution how you can best influence the people that you interact with the most in your life. And oftentimes what it is, is just being that person that they can turn and they can ask to without a, uh, how do I say, uh, a punch you in the face type of opinion, right? right. I, may have a, I may have a really strong opinion uh, about the Marine Corps because obviously I identify with that of a veteran, um, but it doesn't mean I, I, I denigrate the other services. Well, I do right. sometimes, <laughs> but, but it, it doesn't mean that I, you know, I think that everybody in the Air Force is terrible or worthless or something like that. And right. I think that we we fall into that trap sometimes with our politics is that if someone has a, a, a different viewpoint, we immediately try and disabuse them of that. You know, we try and convert them with a stick instead of a carrot. And I think that the best way that you can really kind of communicate authentically is to be that person you know, listen first, you know, God gave us the one mouth and two ears, right? We want to listen first and then talk. And so I found it to be extremely effective. And in a way, it's amazing how, whether it's at my church or my family, obviously I work in a place that's very political, but maybe uh, I coach youth football. And so maybe it's some of the other coaches or parents and they know kind of peripherally that I work in politics, but maybe I don't talk about it as much. Right. And oftentimes it's just because like, yeah, I've been doing this all day. I'd rather talk about <laughs> middle school football than talk about, you know, political stuff all the time. And by doing so, by being approachable, 
and having, you know, reserving my opinion until they, you know, until they ask their question, I think that it gives me more credibility with them when I actually do give them my opinion. And in yeah. effect, I see this every election. There are literally dozens of people in my inner circle that basically kind of hand me their ballot in a non-literal sense, but they're like, hey, you know, who should I vote for? Who should I, I vote for? Right, right. You know, and, and I know, Father, you get this all the time, right? Yeah. People will be, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, I like this, but not this about a particular candidate, or, you know, I'm concerned about this. I don't know about this guy. And it takes someone, you know, like us, frankly, who talks about politics a lot more and maybe a little bit more informed to be able to crystallize that for them and to help them contextualize what's the most important thing they should consider when they vote. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in other words, we're their, we're their trusted source or one of their trusted sources. And what we give is then going to be a little bit more than hearing someone's opinion. It's going to be hearing an opinion they trust, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think, uh, you know, modern technology makes it, you know, awesome that we can have a forum like this where I can be in South Dakota and you can be in Florida or, and, you know, we can have this discussion. Uh, but yeah. at the same time, too, I think sometimes we focus too much of the one way and we're, we're not listening as much. Right. And by doing so, we're, we're missing that opportunity. And right. I'll, I'll take I'll take off kind of the one hat. You know, I, I'm talking for more of a volunteer person to person. I would also tell you, too, I spend most of my day like today on conference calls and sorting through email and looking at reports. Yep. And what I what I generally do is I'm distilling data every day. I look through tons and tons of demographic data on different states, different congressional districts. And what we're seeing is this trend more and more is that we have this group of voters in the middle. You can call them, you know, there's all different kind of kitschy names, whether it's soccer moms, office park dads and security moms or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, we have a, a group of people that are turning off to the process. They're like, eh, Republicans, Democrats, I'm done with all of it. I'm just going to, you know, that's it. You know, they're all crooks. You know, we've all heard those kind of things. And so it's it's even more important now for people to have that trusted verification source. You know, they may be and I, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. And a lot of your listeners probably have as well. They talk to friends and family who are like, oh, you know, I just I'm not going to vote this year. I just uh, you know, I can't. And we have to remind them that, you know, in the Dobbs decision is a perfect you know, uh, description. Like you said, we've had a great season in the court, which has been good for us, but also energizes the other side. Right. Yeah. They know that uh, the things that they are fighting for, um, the things that we're fighting for are obviously very important. And when we uh, they have already used the victories that we have had, the left is using those things to raise literally millions of dollars. And what we're seeing on a national perspective, you know, earlier this year, Republicans enjoyed a tremendous advantage in what we call the generic ballot, which is basically yeah. when we when we ask people, hey, are you more likely to vote Republican or Democrat generically over time? Democrats have an advantage of a couple of points because there are more people that identify as Democrats than Republicans in the country. In the spring, we saw that shrink to even where Republicans almost actually passed Democrats. Now we're seeing that tighten again. And because of whether it's, you know, COVID stuff or school board stuff or just the economy in general, we have a lot of people who are just like, gosh, you know, I don't trust any of these folks. And so it's even yeah. more important for people like us to communicate with our friends and family and make sure they understand there are some really, really important things on the ballot. And it may not be a person's name, but it's all these issues. It's the court, it's the people that appoint judges. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, when it comes to giving your money away, number one, you gotta pay your taxes. You know, you don't really have a choice in that one. Number two, support your house of worship, wherever you worship. But after mm -hmm. that, 
the next most important you can do with your cash is honestly give to a political campaign. And people yeah. were like, well, you know, I don't want to give to this or that. You know, I want to give to the Boys and Girls Club or I want to give to this charity or that charity. And I'm like, all of those things exist in a world that's dictated by politics. So wouldn't you want to have a little bit more say so in who's making those rules? So anyway. So, uh, yeah, this is this is very, very important. Uh, and for those that are just joining us, we're talking with Chris Faulkner of Majority Strategies. Um, I like the name. You know, we, we got to, you know, we're, we're, you work for an election, you're working for a majority. Majorities uh, uh, decide things, and uh, this is how our system works. But um, you worked in the, uh, the Bush-Cheney campaign, and I'm sure a lot of our audience, uh, of course, uh, likewise in those days, uh, were working hard uh, on these elections. Um, Friends, uh, this is, is, is crucially important. Uh, Chris is giving us some uh, perspective about how we influence one another when it comes to voting. Um, you know, uh, uh, Chris, let's talk a little bit more about these dynamics that are happening. Um, the, 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 let's say our, our audience um, now is thinking about those people in their, uh, in their circle of influence. Let's say they, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they identify somebody as, yeah, you know, they'll probably listen to me. They value my opinion. And if that person is like you just referred to the groups that are uh, 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 that are tuning out, you know, they're sort of like I mean, there's so much information coming at us from all directions these days. There's so much rhetoric. There's so much polarization. Um, and, you know, you got those people who are saying, I really am tired of all of this. What would you how would you advise folks? Uh, to get those people back into the game, so to speak, and say, wait a minute, you can't, you can't sit this out. You, you really can't. Whatever your reason might be, you cannot sit out this election. No, that's, that's, that's a fantastic question. You know, and it's, it's uh, something that my firm, we deal with every day. We have, enough, we have a, a, a growing segment of voters in the middle who are, are you know, polarization whatever you want to call it, they are, they are checking out in larger numbers in terms of their nonpartisan. But it's not just nonpartisan. It's not that they're refusing to identify a Republican or Democrat. They're refusing to take part in the process at all because they just don't feel like, one, they're going to have an impact, or two, that it's going to make any difference in terms of, you know, hey, they're, they're, all, they're all bad guys. And so to, to answer your question, what I like to do is when they tell me that, oh, you know, I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm not going to vote, it doesn't matter. I ask him, I said, well, you know, I certainly understand there's a lot of, a lot of the reasons to be concerned and a lot of things that are frustrating, but what is important to you? Like what's, you know, what, what do you think about when you're driving to work or God forbid, when you're filling up that, uh, that, you know, that, uh, your vehicle at the gas pump, right. and you're seeing those numbers roll when you're thinking about, when you're looking at your paycheck, you know, it's one of the great things about my kids are 19, 21 and 22. And they all have had jobs and, you know, this, they had these revelations when they were in their teens, you know, and they, I always joke that, you know, that there's a my friend of mine's a Democrat who once told me, he says, you know, people who are uh, 18 and Republicans, they just have no heart. But I got to tell you, Chris, anyone who looks at a paycheck and who's 40 and votes Democrat, they're really not paying attention. <laughs> and at some point, you know, the, the raw economics there really kind of come into play. And yeah. so try to, to your question, though, how do we, how do we convince people to not give up on the process or the system? Ask them what's important to them. Right. And oftentimes it's a local issue. You know, maybe it's the school board. Maybe they're concerned about, you know, some of the things they're seeing in their public schools or where their tax dollars are going. Um, there's, you know, sadly, you know, one of my 
parts of my job is I have to have this huge funnel of information that's fed into me every day about all these issues out there. And I got to tell you, it's absolutely terrifying. Some of the things that not only are going on in our society, but that we are, that you and I are actively helping pay for, which is terrifying. Um, and whether it's the kind of stuff that's being taught in places like the San Diego school system, um, you know, where they're, they literally are pulling uh, kids that are Caucasian or basically what we would say is white aside and letting them know that they're bad people, even if they haven't done or said anything. Yeah. Um, and the whether again, it's the limitation of freedom. And it's, it's been interesting to watch with my own children as they've they've always kind of looked at politics as like something that, you know, mom and dad do. I don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that, you know, they, they're all conservative is their privacy. And they started really kind of paying attention when they realized the invasion of privacy that is coming in conjunction with both big tech and government and the way that those filters are not in alignment with what they're, our, you know, whether it's your faith, your personal morals or both, there's a lot of folks in Silicon Valley who don't share the same values, but they're yet, they're in charge of the ones, excuse me, they're the ones who are in charge of filtering what information you get to read and don't get to read right. and what is labeled as misinformation. And that's really troubling. And I think you know, to younger voters, it's, it's a, a great portal into their minds to be able to say, hey, listen, I'm not telling you how to think. What I'm telling you is you should have the tools and the ability to make your own decisions and not have anyone tell you what to do. And right now, they're being told there's a lot of authoritarianism that's kind of creeping in, you know, whether it's COVID or some other things. And I think things like that are, are great ways to engage, whether it's a younger voter or somebody who's older, and get them to pull them back into the process, even if, you know, yeah. somewhat unwillingly. You know, uh, this is a season now, or this is a, a stage in the, in the uh, timetable of the election where people are being bombarded by political ads. You know, turn on yes. the TV, and uh, depending on where part of the country you're in, you know, it's going to be about the local candidates, the statewide candidates. And it's like, wow, there is so much of it. Now, sometimes I find folks on uh, our side of the, uh, of the uh, spectrum of issues uh, will, you know, the, 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 they'll come to me and say, oh, I saw this ad on TV and oh my gosh, I got so angry, you know, and it was yeah. filled with lies. And, but I, I, I you know, I, I, I saw it five times, you know, in the course of one program and, you know, and they right. get worried. They get worried about the impact of these ads. Now you're a, you're a, a, a strategist, you're analyzing politics. Do these ads really move the dial? Uh, should people be so worried about what they're seeing on these ads? Uh, or is it back again to those personal one-on-one -on -one discussions that really have the influence? You know, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, I can tell you that I have worked with a number of uh, uh, nonpartisan organizations affiliated with colleges and some professors where we actually did some real testing on the effectiveness of political advertising. And, you know, what is the effectiveness of political advertising? I don't know. What is the effectiveness of advertising at your local church or your local parish? It all depends on who's delivering it. Messenger is always really important here. Is it authentic? Um, and I think we're getting more and more to the point where, you know, me talking to you on my iPhone at a, you know, Hampton Inn, <laughs> um, that level of authenticity in political advertising can actually improve the effectiveness. Now, what we've definitely seen a change here in the last, you know, I've been doing this 26 years, 
um, certainly in the last couple of years, is the, the number of repetitions we have to get to get people's attention it has definitely increased. It's not like it, you can say, oh, well, you know, if we deliver a message three times, people will remember. It's definitely not that simple anymore. Right. I would tell you the overall effectiveness of most political advertising, candidly, even some of the stuff that my company does, is not, is not very good. And there's a couple reasons for that. Most candidates who run for office um, are people that are confident or successful enough in their, their regular life that they've decided they're going to run for office. And so maybe they're an attorney, a business owner, teacher, farmer, whatever. And because they've been good at that, they're now jumping into something new, which is a political campaign. And they feel like, oh, OK, well, I know enough you know, to do this on my own. Well, that's like saying, you know, I can pick up the Bible and understand everything without, you know, maybe some help from somebody else. You know, I always joke that my job really is more plumbing than it is strategy. When I say plumbing, it's it's a lot more logistics. You know, like if you turn this knob, does the hot water come on? If you turn this knob, does the cold water come on? And the effectiveness of most advertising oftentimes, candidly, is relatively diluted by candidates. Because mm -hmm. you, you and me and candidly, most of the people that are listening to, to us have this discussion, we are not normal people, right? <laughs> right. We, we are much more highly engaged. And so the advertising that is done is produced by people like us, paid for by donors and candidates. And so in our minds, we have this, oh, everybody wants to know my 27-point plan for better government. No, not even your mom wants to read all that stuff. The reality is most, <laughs> most people want a much more condensed version. Okay, and, and I'm not saying you have to dumb it down. But what it has to do is it has to kind of fit into that, what I call that, you know, that bandwidth of attention span. Sure. You know, Father, your, your question about how effective is political advertising is, is really pertinent. Um, and it, it can cause a lot of angst amongst a lot of friends and family. And believe me, I have people contacting me all the time. Oh, my gosh. You know, have you seen this advertisement? It's totally false. And everybody's seeing it. Yeah. Well, you know, don't worry. The vast majority of people are partisan one way or the other. And it doesn't matter what we say. They're going to kind of lean the way they go. The people in the middle, I, I call them kind of more the normal people out there that are you know, not really checked into politics until they have to vote. They are not as impacted by most political advertising because most political advertising, again, is done by candidates and consultants and activists. And it has a uh, it has a focus that is often way too partisan or way too specific. You know, for instance, mm -hmm. someone's running for uh, superintendent of public instruction, which is a statewide office in most states. Well, the vast majority of voters, I mean, if you can find me 10 people on any given sidewalk who know who the superintendent of public instruction, much less that they actually elect that person, I'd be surprised. Right. And so it's much more of let me find an issue that's important to these voters and then let me talk about why that issue is important and why I'm the best candidate to fit that issue. Um, and that will lead to more success in terms of changing people's behavior. Because the problem with most advertising, political and non-political, my firm does, uh, does both. What we find is we do advertising that makes us, as in the person who's producing it, feel good. But it doesn't necessarily speak or change consumer behavior or voter behavior that people are trying to talk to. And you may put out an advertisement, for instance, you see a lot of things that are funny or maybe they're shocking and people talk about it. Oh, my gosh, did you see this or did you see that? Yes, I did. But the more important question is, did it change behavior? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did it actually cause someone to say, you know, I was leaning this way, but now I'm leaning this way. And so it's it's there. It's not a, a simple answer to the question of why most political advertising candidly is not 
very effective. Um, but more, more often than not, it's because it's too inside baseball, if that's a good term. Mm-hmm. It's, too, it's, too, it's too political. It doesn't relate to people where they're at. So in short, people should be encouraged. They should use their influence, use their influence among those who trust them and not be afraid to let their opinions be known. But as you said before, listen, listen to the person you're talking to, see what they're concerned about, and then gently lead them along to the point where they might see an advantage in voting for a particular uh, candidate. Yeah. Um, I, I would never tell anybody to not have an opinion or not to express that opinion. Right. But, but I would say, especially with social media, keep in mind, and, I, and again, I'm going to use another religious analogy. I attended uh, this, this church that I used to go to in Indiana outside South Bend, and I asked the pastor one time, I said, hey, do we have any stickers that identify, you know, like, hey, what church I go to? And he said, Chris, if you've seen most of the people in our, you know, our parishioners drive, it might not be a good idea to have stickers on the car <laughs> because you're sending the wrong message. And the same thing goes with politics. It's like if you are that person that people can trust, if you are that person that is reasonable or at least appears reasonable, then your opinion is going to go a lot further in, compared to someone who is just shouting all the time. If right. that makes, it's okay to be passionate. And, and I, I, I encourage passion and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's just got to be, you know, remember, always trying to remember what, what is the desired end result. I'm trying to change someone's behavior, you know, from inaction to action or voting one way to another way. And so, you know, there's a little bit of salesmanship involved there. Um, but it's important to do that because at the end of the day, like you said, Father, at the beginning of the program, all of these things, you know, the court decisions and all these other things that are going on, this has all been created, you know, elections have consequences. We've heard that before, and it's very true. So true, so true. Well, thanks for what you're doing, uh, Chris, and uh, majority strategies. You know, there are many of our viewers who uh, are with campaigns, or they may be the candidates themselves. Mm-hmm. If they're interested in checking out uh, how your group may be able to help them, how can they reach you? Well, you can always uh, find me on social media at Chris Faulkner, C-H-R-S-F-A-U-F-L-K-N-E-R. Or you can email me. It's uh, just my initials, CF at MajorityStrategies.com. Or you can just go to our website and inquire there. Happy to help. And it's a busy time for everybody, but uh, happy to help if I can. Well, thanks for all your work and, uh, again, for your service to America. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future. We'll look at how this midterm election turns out. And maybe we'll get some, uh, uh, I'm sure we'll get some good insights uh, from you uh, on the other side of this, uh, this important election. Thank you, Chris, for, uh, for all you do and for being with us tonight. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. You're welcome. Friends, let's turn to the Lord and uh, let's ask him to uh, bless Chris and his team. Uh, Let's ask the Lord to bless these elections and our nation and uh, to bless each of you, our our audience, as you lift up your prayer intentions to God as well. And let's sum up all these prayers in the words Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us. Spread the word about our program. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And remember, as President Trump tells us, that this 
country belongs not to those who are trying to destroy it. This country belongs to you. And the greatest days of America are yet to come. God bless you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.